The second you say yes and decide to do something, the universe will conspire to help you make it happen. If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work, I want to do my life's work. If you want to be baking or sculpting or dancing or songwriting or screenwriting or painting or doing that thing that you've just always wanted to do, but you haven't figured out quite how to make a living full-time doing it, this is the show. This is the show, Don't Keep Your Day Job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Life is too short not to wake up every day excited. You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. We're here to have this conversation week after week. We're interviewing people who've done it. We're talking about the strategies. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools that you can start to take some real action week after week so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. 2018, this is going to be your year. Thanks to eHarmony for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Right now, you can get a free month with eHarmony when you sign up for a three-month subscription. Go to eHarmony.com to get started and enter my code DREAMJOB at checkout. That's one word, DREAMJOB. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Skillshare is offering Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners a limited offer of two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob to get two months of Skillshare for only 99 cents. Act now for the special New Year's offer and start learning today. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Aptive. Aptive produces audio-based workouts created by certified personal trainers available through a mobile app. New members get 50% off an annual membership. Visit Aptive.com slash Job. That's A-A-P-T-I-V dot com slash dream job. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm excited about today's episode. Every episode has been just so much fun and I love interviewing all these people, but I'm excited to sit down with Shelly Varela today because she's a person who has true courage. I think she's a spitfire. I think that everything she always talks about is so um, relatable and you're going to hear her whole story and I'll tell you a little bit more about who she is in a second. But before we get into that, I just want to be totally transparent with you guys. I hate when people put up this facade and front that they are just perfect, that they have it all dialed in, that they've arrived, that they're not a work in progress anymore. They have all the answers. Like, I just want to be clear that I do this show. I feel really proud of the results that I've gotten, and I still feel totally like a work in progress. Like there are so many things behind the scenes in my life that you guys don't see. And I just want to always remind you of them sort of, because I think it's important that I don't come across like I just have all those answers. I I don't want anyone to ever um, walk around feeling like somebody else just has it down. I, I think that that actually hurts us. I think people scroll through Facebook and they look at other people and they compare themselves just be a little kinder to yourself. And so I wanted to stop dead in my tracks to just literally take a moment to say in every area of my life, in my business, in my marriage, with my kids, like I'm constantly still learning new lessons. I just recently had something come up in business and I was like kicking myself like, oh, I've learned this lesson before. Why? Why is this happening again? And it's because 
we're always like teasing out. It's like it winds up being like the same few areas that are our Achilles heel, like our weaknesses. And I feel like we are all a work in progress and, you know, we're not perfect. We're not computers. We're human beings. Um, and we're human becomings, you know, we're constantly stretching and learning. And that actually is the most fulfilling part of being alive. But one of the things I wanted to say is that I feel like so much that we're surrounded by is an illusion. I feel like we're being brainwashed all the time by society and we forget that we are a soul. We forget that we are an original. Um, We forget. We start thinking that we're something we're not. We start to identify ourselves with our ego and we say, we put ourselves in boxes, you know? this one's rich, this one's not, I'm, I'm single, I'm not, I'm tall, I'm skinny, I live in this zip code, I don't live in that zip code, I live in an apartment, I live in a duplex, I live in a house. And we, we sort of associate ourselves too much with this character that we play, which is this ego, and we forget about this soul, we forget about the fact that we're made of like stardust and magical things. And one thing that you may have forgotten, one thing that you may not think about sometimes is... Um, how far you've already come. You know, we doubt how far we're capable of going, but look at how far you've come. Like, I don't need to know each person's, you know, particulars to be certain that every one of you, every person, we've all gone through so much already. And look where we are. We're still here, breathing in and out. And and look how far we've come. Give yourself some credit. One thing that I came up against this week is remembering that I take care of as much as I can for everyone else and then I put myself last. And so I realized like time and time again, you cannot pour anything from an empty cup. So we have to take care of ourselves. So I just want to remind you to give yourself more credit, to be more gentle with yourself and to take a little bit more time to prioritize your own like well-being, body, spirit, mind. Like there's so many times where I want to go hiking or get a pedicure or curl up and read this great book that's been sitting on my nightstand. So let's do that this week. Let's each take an hour minimum to spend doing something to fill up ourselves, to nourish our body, mind, or soul. And then I'll be on Facebook live this week and you can tell me what you did. So I'll hold you accountable and you can hold me accountable. So I will be there this week on Wednesday at um, 11.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you can tell me all about what you did for yourself this week. Thanks to eHarmony for supporting our podcast. If you're trying online dating, chances are you run into lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, and random matches that don't turn into dates. You can't get to know someone just by looking at their picture, but eHarmony takes steps that other dating sites don't in order to find you a more compatible match. They are built to help you find lasting, meaningful relationships, not a shallow hookup site. Friends of mine have been using eHarmony and across the board, they're just so impressed. They can't believe like the time that this site has taken to really cultivate and curate questions that help match you with somebody who it's not just like, okay, here's a guy, here's a girl, here's this person who's looking for whatever. It's more like this person really truly has something specific that you're looking for. And I've, I've just seen people fall in love. I've been to a couple weddings, people who've gotten matched on eHarmony. So I encourage you to try it out. 
out. They've helped over a million people find their perfect match, and they can help you too. Right now, my listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. Go to eHarmony.com and enter my code DREAMJOB at checkout. So stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. That's eHarmony.com to get started and enter my code DREAMJOB at checkout. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting our podcast. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or build your own business, Skillshare will keep you learning in 2018 and beyond. Skillshare is incredible, you guys. It's like the Netflix for online learning. I go in there and it blows my mind. Like they have classes on everything from public speaking to photography, illustration, just classes on general productivity. There's so much there that can really help you move your business forward. I'm not joking. One of the best ways to get from point A to point B is to learn something from someone who's already done that. It can just help you streamline your process. So I encourage you to check it out. You can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners two months of unlimited access to over 18,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash dream job. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash dream job to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash dream job. So we're going to dive into Shelly Varela. Let me tell you a little bit about who she is. She is incredible. She is blazing her own trail and she is helping other people to do the same. Shelly proudly became the first female firefighter and most recently the first female fire captain in her area. Um, In 2010, she was awarded the Firefighter of the Year Award, acknowledging 10 years of her charity work and outstanding community service, and she continues to use her spare time to lecture in both Canada and the United States on tenacity, empowerment, and overcoming adversity. She's a traveling member of Firefighters Without Borders. She had the privilege of working with firefighters in other countries and meeting her World Vision sponsor child. Shelly's also an author. She did a TED Talk on Hacking Possibility, and she hosts her own podcast called The Yes Effect, which has been getting rave reviews. And she's just a person who doesn't stand for limiting beliefs. So without further ado, let's welcome her. I'm so glad she's here. Hi, Shelly. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, you know what? It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I know. It's great. I loved reading your story and listening to your show. I just feel like it's so out of the box. It's so not the traditional path. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story before we get started and I start asking you some questions. Tell us a little bit about your story so that we have a background. Yeah, sure. So when I was... uh wow, I want to say like 20 years old. I was kind of one of those geeky kids in high school and, you know, just really deep thinker, the kind of kid that didn't really fit in really well anywhere, but fit in a little bit everywhere. And so I was I was kind of anxious. And as we were getting towards the end of high school, I remember thinking, man, like, what am I going to do with my life? Because my entire life, the world had given me the label and I had embodied the label of artist. I'm an artist. So I studied special effects, makeup and filming, Mm, uh, all that kind of stuff, writing and things like that. Um, So when I got to the end of high school, you know, all my friends seemed to have their entire life paths figured out. They knew the schools they were going to attend, how many kids they'd have. And I was just literally a hot mess. I had no idea what I was going to do. (laughs) Well, because what happened was I kept looking inside the lane of artists and there wasn't really anything that 
that struck me and thought, oh, man, yeah, that, that's my thing. And so the more I, I tried to find it and the more I tried to fit into a you know, square peg into a round hole, the more anxious I felt. And so around the same time, uh, a friend of mine was going through a bit of a tough go in his life. Yeah. And so he was a firefighter. And so what I would do is to, to keep his mind on what he, off what he was going through is I would just keep him talking as long as I could about anything I could. And the one thing that he could talk about forever was his job as a firefighter. Hmm. And it was the first time I really had some insight into that sort of world. And I'm like, man, that's that's your job. You get to like rescue people and, you know, hang out at the halls with your best friends. And he's like, yeah. And so it was interesting because the world always gives us labels and and sometimes we're the worst for that. You know, like I'm a I'm a doctor or, you know, I'm a runner or or I'm a mother. You know, people always think yeah. think of themselves in terms of these labels. And yeah. I certainly did as well. And it was the first time that I looked at something outside of my sort of artistic wheelhouse and started learning about firefighting. And, you know, he was teaching me about fire pumps and friction loss and all kinds of things. But the biggest lesson I got from that was I would have never, ever known otherwise unless I happened to, for serendipity reasons, be catapulted into this like weird situation yeah. that I actually had a really natural mechanical aptitude because I was so busy looking inside the lane of, oh, I'm an artist. So, you know, I need to find something that fits into into that category. So that's really fascinating. But I remember the moment that changed the entire rest of my life because uh, at this point, um, I'm obsessed. I'm hanging off this guy's every word. But I remember this particular day we were driving along the street in his car and we pull up next to a stop sign and, and he taught me all about dangerous goods and transportation of them and all of that kind of stuff. And I see a placard on the back of this truck and I had been studying everything he said and I'm thinking to myself, I think I know what that means. But I'm still that that geeky, no confidence, anxious, 20-something-year-old. So I don't want to say it. So instead, I asked him what it meant. And when he answered me, he gave me the wrong answer. And so I corrected him and he turned and looked at me and he said, why don't you just apply to be a firefighter? And this is 25, six years ago. Oh it was the most ridiculous statement I'd ever heard because I was five foot two. I wasn't big enough, brave enough, smart <laughs> enough, strong enough. And there were no girls in firefighting. And without missing a beat, he turned to me and he said, well, there's going to be a girl one day. Why wouldn't it be you? And it was like I just felt the air get sucked out of my lungs. And it wasn't that particular moment that was my epiphany. But I went home and what had happened is he'd planted this seed and it, and I just had this aliveness in my chest, which I now know is like being in alignment with, with your path, oh, and with, your yeah. dream, with what's yes. true for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that evening I was laying in my bed, looking up at my white stippled ceiling. And I said three words that literally changed my life from that moment to this. And those words were, why not me? But the interesting thing was when I heard myself say them, something literally shifted inside me. And in that moment, I didn't care what it cost in blood, sweat, money, time or tears. I was going to be a firefighter. Mm. Now, the ridiculousness of that is 
I'm five foot two. I'm 108 pounds. I have no skills, <laughs> no knowledge, no experience, no business pursuing this. And at the time, there were no girls. So it was literally figuring out how to hack possibility. And and like many of us, you know, we'll look at something that we really want to accomplish or something we'd love to have or do or be. And inevitably, society has taught us to switch into logical mind. But the problem with that is when you switch into logical mind after that moment of excitement, when you're like, man, I would love to climb yeah. Everest, run a marathon, yeah. whatever it is, is automatically what happens is you start looking at the obstacles or challenges right. in between you and that quest of yours. Mm -hmm. But the detriment of that is when you do that, you stop looking at the quest and mm. then you let go of it. Wow. When the reality is, there was a guy who climbed Everest. He, and before he did, he voiced his dream to other people. And he's like, yeah, you know what, guys? I want to climb Everest. And everyone's like, you're crazy. Like, oh, you're yeah. crazy. Yeah. Do you know what the odds of summiting Everest are? And he said, I don't care. I want to do it anyways. But the caveat to that is he did it and he's blind. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, so if we're to reverse engineer possibility... To that point where we get excited about, man, I want to climb Everest or I want to run a marathon or yeah. I want to build a school or adopt kids or rescue right. puppies, whatever it is. Everything is possible. Everything, everything, everything is possible. And for that guy, there was a time when he voiced that dream out loud and every single person told him it couldn't be done it made no logical sense. He had no business trying it and giving him a thousand questions like, oh, yeah, well, what about this? Well, how are you going to do that? And at the beginning, he didn't have answers to all of those questions. But what he had was a vision and the understanding that everything is figure outable. You can reverse engineer things and hack possibility and break down these big, overwhelming concepts into small pillars of tasks or habits. Mm. So and the beauty of that is when you start chipping away at those tasks and habits, all of a sudden you look behind you and there's more there's more space behind you that you've covered than there is in front of you moving towards your goal. Incredible. Wow. I'm just so captivated. I'm like sitting here thinking your story should be a movie, first of all. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting here thinking that every line you say is like dialogue that's already been written, but I know it hasn't because we didn't rehearse any of this and it's just us mm -hmm. talking. And it's oh, just, thank you. No, what it is is that when something is so much a part of us, uh, these things, they come out and they are profound because you've lived these statements. And so I I'm amazed and there's so many things I want to ask you, but let's start with what happened next. Yeah, sure. So I made the decision. And for everybody listening, I will say it is literally like as simple as that. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy in terms of effort, but it literally is that simple. Because in life, we find what we focus on. Mm, so and, you true. know, there's some like universal stuff and some woo stuff in there about, you know, attracting things to you. 100%. That's all relevant and true. But at the end of the day, you just have to start moving your feet and actioning the steps. That's right. So what I did first was I thought, okay, like, I literally have no business doing this whatsoever. I have no knowledge, skills, or experience related to firefighting. My body is not physically capable of it. I've never seen a female doing this job. Like, like what am I, right. what am I doing? Right. What am I doing? Right. 
but I thought, you know what, even if I had all of the skills and knowledge and experience that I needed, if I knew about rescue techniques and fire pumps and friction loss and all that kind of stuff, even if I had all of that stuff locked down, literally none of it would matter unless my body was physically capable of performing the tasks. Right. And so it's now what I call the triple O. What's your triple O? Meaning what's your order of operations? Right. What do you have to do? But what do you have to do first? So for me, it was signing up to to try out the firefighter physical. And so I paid my money and I go there and, and I was like a 10 kilometer a day runner at the time. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know what? It's going to be challenging, but come on, like, it'll be challenging. I'm sure I'll be exhausted, but I think I'll be able to like scrape my way through it. Right. And that is not even kind of what happened. <laughs> I march in there like I kind of own the place and I had no idea how bad it was going to be. Uh, it was, I just got my butt handed to me and uh, I failed in every way it was possible to fail. And the heartbreaking part was walking in there and experiencing that that, that feeling of, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to become a firefighter. Right. It was the first time I'd had my, my teeth kicked in in terms of crushing my little spirit because I walked out of there and I'm thinking, there is no way, no way I'm going to be able to accomplish this. Like it, <sighs> I was basically, for many of the tasks, moving double my body weight, more than double my body weight oh in some God. cases. So proportionately speaking, it's like it's the same physical for men and women, but proportionately speaking, uh, it wasn't the same ratio of of weight that I would have to move related to my own body weight. So I go home and I, I proceed to uh, have a massive pity party. I cry my eyes out for two days and, you know, I just like I'm a loser and, you know, who was I to dream that big dream? Like, who did I think I was? But on the third day, that same thing happened again. Something snapped and I got pissed off. And so I called the, I called the university back where they hosted the, the physical. And I said, yeah, guys, you know what? I'm going to need the specs for that entire physical. I need to know heights, weights, distances for everything that needs to be pushed, pulled, lifted, whatever. I need all of the stats. Mm -hmm. And then I built the entire physical in my backyard. Wow. And I failed at it day after day after day. And there was blood and sweat and tears and vomit. And um, one, of, one of the tasks, I always tell this story because it's pretty comical. One of the tasks is they were trying to simulate you pulling uh, a fire hose charged full of water. And they're, they're super heavy. So the task was how they replicated it is they, they had a wooden skid and they piled on 250 pounds. And while you're wearing a 50-pound weighted vest and five oh, pounds God, on each ankle. Even. Oh my God. You had to drag this wooden skid 50 feet for time. And so I, I go to the local store and, you know, I rig up this, this fishing vest and I reinforce the pockets with duct tape and I fill them with lead shots so that it was heavy enough. But then I, I built the skid and I'm thinking, well, I need like 250 pounds. Like, where am I going to find 250 pounds of weight? So I find some old cinder blocks. And then oh I pile gosh. them on top and I and I slide it back and forth across the asphalt. It's not heavy enough. So I'm looking around. I find some old fire hose with those big, heavy brass couplings. So mm -hmm. I put a couple rolls of that on and it's still not heavy enough. So I'm like, man, oh, man, like I, I need another 140 pounds. And I'm standing there in the middle of the street oh, in front of my house. Traffic's whizzing by. And I've got this ridiculous duct taped vest on and I've got this. <laughs> it's just... And, and I'm thinking, where am I going to come up with 140 pounds? And I'm like, oh, 
my mother weighs 140 pounds. So I scream, Mom! So that's how I did it. Uh, Day after day, I would pile cinder blocks, fire hose, and my mother on this rickety old wooden skid and I would pull it 50 feet for time mm. and I wouldn't make the time and I'd, I'd, my legs would fail halfway through. But again and again and again, I would just keep doing that. And all the while, you know, studying and taking courses and classes and learning and, you know, putting together engines and ripping them apart and all of this stuff, all of these things were skills that at an, as an artist were absolutely inconceivable to me. Crazy. Yeah, of course. But you can learn anything if you want to. If if the end goal is in alignment with like your juice and your jam and what you really are lit up about, you can learn anything. And so I kept at that for 1,162 days, getting my teeth kicked in day in, day out, day in, day out. And there were some days where my body hurt so bad I had to log roll out of bed just to take a pee. Like I just, I couldn't lift my arms. Mm. And... um on the 1,163rd day, my phone rang, and they said, Shelly Varela, we would like to welcome you aboard as our city's first female firefighter. Amazing. Wow. And how many female firefighters have you met since then? Um, well, I was the only one for five years, so it was basically me and 500 dudes. <laughs> um, it's still pretty unusual. I think we're now, I'm guessing, but maybe about three percent of the firefighting population ish something like that wow wow and so tell us a little bit about some of the highlight reel like have you actually had to go in and fight a fire have you had to like pull somebody out of a building oh yeah i mean i've been on the job now 24 years so every sort of scenario you can run in your head in terms of fires and rescues and house fires and car crashes and you know i've seen I've seen all of it. I've seen every atrocity that a human body is able to suffer. But um, what I want to make sure I drive home with everybody listening is sometimes your adversity is a gift and people will tell you that it's not. Do not listen to them. Because when people tell you what you're not able to do, really what they're doing is loving you within the boundaries of what they're capable of through a filter of their own fear. Mm, So true. And so when I walked in, you know, I was hired with 14 guys, me and four, 13 other people, 13 guys. And so what was interesting was, you know, we had all worked just as hard to get there. But for those guys, when they walked in on their very first day, their struggle was over. They had done all the things they needed to do. They made it. They're in. And for me, I had that was true for me as well. The only difference was that's where my struggle began. Hmm. So I'd struggled to get the job. And then I had to struggle to prove that I belonged there. And that in itself was a whole other story. But I remember a particular incident. I mean, you picture it. I'm I'm like five foot two. I'm stationed with a fire hall full of guys that are six feet tall for the most part. And um, there were a lot of people at that time that really were not buying into the fact that they were cool with my being there. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't – some of them were not going to give me a fair shot regardless – But going back to alignment, I didn't care because I was there for the right reasons. I wanted to be hot in the summer and cold in the winter. The first one up, the last one down, I wanted to actually do the job. But emotionally, that's still, it's not easy, right? So I remember this uh, one particular moment at at shift change and we're, um, half of the people are leaving because they're finishing the shift and we were coming in. And I remember, I think I was on the job uh, 
I don't know, a couple months. And I overheard a couple of the guys from the outgoing shift and they were trash talking me. They're like, oh yeah, you know, she can't do the job. She, you know, I doubt she's, you think, you know, if you're trapped in a burning building, she's going to be able to drag it. And it got more elevated and more ravenous. And I remember standing in the room off the kitchen. They couldn't see me. And I'm standing there just paralyzed thinking to myself, I'm 24 years old. Uh, Do I go in and say something or do I just pretend like I didn't hear any of it? And above the voices, I heard this one person say to them, have any of you actually worked with her before? And they assumed that this individual was going to pile on going, yeah, well, you know, I have and she's terrible and she's crap or whatever. And that but that's not what he said. He said, the reason I'm asking you is because I work with her every day. And literally everything you guys just said is crap. Like literally none of it is true. But that is what true bravery looks like. Because I listen to a room full of men who are just, I call them armchair snipers and spineless bullies because it was almost like you could hear the backup beeper when one person had the courage to stand up in a room full of other people and speak something that was contrary to what they were all saying. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's what a hero looks like. And I've told the guy that story. He goes, you know what? I don't even remember saying that. And I said, well, I do. Of course. But about the adversity piece, um, shortly thereafter, my district chief called me into the office. And I think it's because he heard that I was having a bit of a hard time. Like they're, you know, in some cases a little rough. And he pulls me into his office and he says, Shelly, I just wanted to tell you, firefighters are like tools in a toolbox. You don't need eight hammers. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I had no idea what he was talking about. I just was like, just trying to do what I came there to do and trying to fit in and trying to be part of the team. Um, And I didn't understand what he said in the moment. But about a week later, we got a call and it came in as a motor vehicle collision. And it was a car on its roof in between eastbound and westbound traffic on the highway. Hmm. And the roof was crushed down. And there was a woman suspended by her seatbelt upside down in the car. And she was hurt very badly. And so we do what we always do. We make the scene safe and we try and stabilize the vehicle. But we need to make access with this patient. But we can't really reach her. And so I walk around the back of the car and I see this tiny void in the rear window. And I say to my captain, I can fit in there. And at this point, we had no other options. It just was it was. The perfect storm of everything being the exact wrong way you would oh want you God. wouldn't want it to be. Wow. And so I slid in, and uh, and I was able to package her up with the help of some of the guys on the outside, put her on a backboard and slide her out. Wow! And as it turns out, she had a broken neck. <gasps> so for everybody out there listening to those people oh telling you why you can't do oh it, and why the personal qualities you have are not in alignment with you know, the qualities that are needed to accomplish whatever that goal is. I'm here to tell you that adversity in many instances is a gift Mm. if you allow it to be. So beautiful. Incredible. Wow. So powerful. And you, you, you saved lives. You're saving lives. You've been saving lives. I mean, this is, the stakes are high here. I mean, you're not just talking about this and it's like, a nice thing to feel good about and it's just all kind of words it's like you've literally because of this you've saved people's lives people are here because you had this courage to persevere people are alive this is life or death 
Not to mention you've aligned with what you've wanted so much to do. And, and in so far as doing that, you've now inspired so many other people to feel like anything they want to do is possible. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Aptive. Aptive produces audio-based workouts created by certified personal trainers available through a mobile app. Aptive's key benefits include flexible audio workout formats so you can work out just the way you like, a variety of classes and levels to keep you engaged with your fitness program over time, and expert trainers for maximum results and motivation. Aptive makes the highest quality training available to everyone with a carefully selected group of certified personal trainers that guide you through every workout. The trainers have a wide array of personalities, so you can even find the personal training style that motivates you best. Plus, Aptive's in-house music production team partners with every trainer to create music playlists that are perfectly timed to the intensity and pace of your workout. When you need that extra boost, the music keeps you motivated. When you're ready to slow things down, the intensity of the music dials down with you. Aptive also has fun seasonal challenges to help you achieve your fitness goals, like a quick strength circuit while your cookies bake or a chill yoga flow to take a break from the winter stress. I'm a busy mom. I'm working. I have three kids and my day is like jam packed. And so often I look at my week, let's say Monday morning, and I'm like, where can I fit in a Pilates class? And so what's great about Active is sometimes I can't even plan out when I can pop into a Pilates class. But what I can do is sometimes in the middle of a Tuesday, I find that I have 30 minutes before I have to go pick up the kids after I leave a meeting. And I'm like, great. I click on Active. I'm like, what could I possibly do right now for 30 minutes to just nourish my mind, body, soul? So it's something to think about. I think it's really helpful because you can sort of move it into your own day and fold that in as opposed to having to like rearrange your life to get that stuff in because it's super important. Subscriptions start at $14.99 billed monthly or $99.99 for an annual membership. For a limited time, new members get 50% off an annual membership, which is just $49.99 for the whole year of unlimited workouts. Visit aptive.com slash dreamjob. That's A-A-P-T-I-V dot com slash dreamjob. Shelly, there's been so many other things. It feels like every time I'm reading about you, I'm like, I have this this like voice in my head go, what? what? She did that too? Um, And I love how humble you are with your copywriting and how you put things out there. And you're like, yeah, everybody told me this would never happen. Or I had everything against me and I did it anyway. Um, And so two of those other things, um, one had to do with you publishing a book. And I want to hear a little bit about that and how how the heck did that happen? It seems like every time I turn around, I'm reading about this, this next huge like hurdle that you just overcome that one too. You just nail that one too. And I feel like somebody once said to me, like, if somebody is successful at something, maybe people could stand on the side and like snicker to themselves like, oh, they're just lucky. But if someone is continuously successful, then you know this isn't luck. This is like something inherently that's right. Something inherently this person has figured out strategy, a way about the way they go about things in the world. So Let's talk about these other things because one of them was also publishing a book. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the backstory to that is I'm all about story. Like I have Native American roots and it, oh, I'm all cool. about sort of the dream catcher and the talking stick. Oh, I'm so glad so you shared before, that. It's cool to hear where people come from. Yeah, thanks. So, I mean, you can't catch a dream unless you first chase it. Oh, I love that quote. Thanks. Um, yeah, but so once you figure that out, then the next uh, the next symbolism is the talking stick. It's like, okay, well, what are you going to do with that? Because you've been given this gift and you've accomplished this thing and it has absolutely nothing to do with you. How is that a gift to the world and how are you going to do that? So for me, you know, I had lost my father and uh, I remember thinking to myself, man, like what do kids do that don't have an amazing dad like mine? 
you know, I was like grieving and I was just lost, missed my dad. And so in the morning, I would grab this fold up lawn chair and I would grab a coffee and I would go to the lake and I would just sit there and I would just cry. Uh, Yeah, of course. I had a pen and paper like I always do because I'm a storyteller. And I just, this story just started like writing itself. And so it was interesting because I thought, okay, well, I should do something with this. And I ended up calling it Peanut Meets the Pigtailed Firefighter. Mm. And essentially it's a story, it's, it's, it's my story on both sides of the coin, both as the little girl and as the firefighter. And it's a story of a little girl who thinks she needs to be rescued by a prince and And this one particular day, they're having career day at school and they have, you know, astronauts and artists and teachers and doctors and stuff. And then the fire truck pulls up and three dudes hop off the back of the fire truck. But the fourth dude has a ponytail and he's a little bit smaller than the rest. And she has this epiphany moment where she realizes, oh, that's actually a girl. And she realizes that if if that girl can be brave, that maybe she can too. And maybe she doesn't need to be rescued after all. Wow. Isn't that cool? So I decided that, um, okay, I really know nothing about, you know, publishing or self-publishing a book. So I started looking online with respect to, okay, well, how does all of this work? And my favorite place in the world is Big Sur, California. Oh, cool. And so don't I find a writing retreat in Big Sur, California... On my father's birthday. Stop it. On my my father's birthday. I just read this quote today. It's a Rumi quote, which I've seen many times, but I just saw it this morning. What you seek is seeking you. And it's like, it is that. It is that. It is. And you said it earlier, like what you focus on, you'll start to find. And here you are. You find a writer's retreat in Big Sur and it's on your dad's birthday. I always find that crazy when those things line up on those important dates. And it's like... There's 365 days in a year. It could have been mm-hmm. any day. It's clearly like there's a gift that was waiting for you, but you had to have the courage to just look for it. And then there it was. There it was. Absolutely. And I'll never forget what happened that day because I am a person who does not like to be told no. Oh, yeah. And I'm with so, you on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we would break out in smaller groups and we would um, we would work on our manuscript. I think there was 80 writers, give or take. And there was this one guy in my group, I'll never forget him. He was so introverted and so shy. And in fact, he and his partner had saved for six months for him to be able to afford to come. Oh, and when wow. it got to his turn for him to read his his piece, he almost wasn't able, he almost left just because it was so hard oh, for him to do my that. God. But, but when he finally did, oh man, like he was brilliant. Like he talked about this little boy who was going over... Um, on a ferry and you could feel the mist in your face. Like he was just such a brilliant writer. But then on the last day we had the opportunity to all of us 80, you know, would be writers got to ask this panel of agents questions. It was just like this free flowing Q and a, and somebody was asking about the publishing process and the owner of the agency basically said, you guys have a better chance of winning the lottery than getting your book published. Oh, don't you just love those statements? <laughs> I went mama bear, not for myself, because I'm a scrappy, <laughs> scrappy kid. Like, I'll figure that out. But for that guy, it's like, how dare you? That's so how true. How dare you bust on his dream? That dreams. is so true. So I actually ended up publishing the book in honor of my father, but also that guy. Because it's like, you do not get to crap on people's dreams. No, you don't. Please and thank you. No, yeah, you don't. I, you know, I had I have three kids, thank God. 
And I went through fertility treatment to have all my kids and many rounds of it, not just like, oh, you walk in, you take this. And no, I had to like persevere. And there was a lot of stuff to figure out what would work, what didn't. And then I went through like, you know, having miscarriage and different things that worked and didn't work. But before I even began that process, I had gone to several other doctors and one of them had the nerve to look at me in the face, just really matter of fact, like as if she was just like talking about the weather. She goes, yeah, you're not going to be a mom. You know, we looked at it and it's because of this thing and this thing. And she's like, and that's just what it is. And she goes, all right, so, uh, you know, so-and-so will see you out. And I'm like, did she say that to my <laughs> face? Because that's like crazy that she could just, just say that like she's God. Yeah. Like you're holding somebody's entire future and uh, you oh know. my god and what if i would have like listened to that and therefore not taken any more action about it because i would have just said like she is correct she knows exactly what if what if i listened just to that? accept it as as yeah. a fact right so i go home and i want to give a friend of mine a shout out for this yael mayer she's such a cool person yael and so she comes over to that day we had a songwriting session scheduled and i'm crying she goes kathy what's wrong i said well this is what just happened i went to this appointment this morning and she looks at me and she goes what does this woman know? I go, she's a doctor. She has a degree. She does this every day. She goes, it's just words. I'm so sorry. Like, do not let this person tell you what's true. She doesn't know. And I said to her, what are you talking about? Like, give me a second to grieve this. This is a reality. She's like, it's not a reality unless you decide it is. And so I remember there was a part of me that was like, she's crazy. <laughs> and there was a part of me that was like, maybe she's right. And I, I like picked myself up and we, we wrote a song. And then the next day I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to get another opinion. I'd already had three. But I was like, I'll call somebody else. I'll call this expert. But I walk in to see this guy and he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, it's a matter of time, but you will be a mom. You have so much to give. That woman doesn't know what she's talking about. And he's like, we're going to figure it out. And it's going to take a little bit of like being in the lab and looking at things and trying things, but you're going to be a mom. And I have three kids and I love them so much. And that would have been so tragic for me. Well, it would have been tragic for the world because if we were to play it forward, what gifts are your kids going to give the world? What oh, gifts would the people that they that. affect not come to fruition as a result of you accepting somebody's crappy, no-nonsense advice? Can you even believe? I mean, such a huge thing to say to somebody. But um, I love that you got up to bat and said, I'm not just going to publish this book for myself. I'm going to publish this book for this kid who's an introvert who almost went home because he was afraid to read this and saved up all this money to be here because I dare anybody to, to tell me what's not possible. But publishing a book is really competitive. So how did you do that? I just hacked it myself and I decided, well, there was a number of ways I could go. And what I ultimately decided was that I wanted complete creative control uh, because again I'm a girl who doesn't like to doesn't like to be told no. Um, so what I realized was when you go with a publisher, if it's particularly if it's a if it's a children's picture book, that you don't get to to design the look and feel of the characters, and that was just asinine to me. So I chose in the end to self-publish it because then I could have complete Good creative control over the entire project. So I did the marketing myself. I, um, you know, I had a, an animator and I basically, 
I drew what I want the characters to look like. So it was really rewarding from uh, from a creative perspective because I got to build it. I got to build my vision exactly as I saw it. And I didn't have to depend on other people going, oh, you can't do this or you shouldn't do that. I really just got to pay attention to my emotional barometer and say, okay, this is what I want to put out into the world. Amazing. Tell me about the TED Talk. TED Talk was an amazing experience. So it's like a, a walking contradiction because I am very shy. I'm very introverted. And I had no, uh, no intention of becoming a speaker. But after time and time again, I kept hearing people asking me about, you know, my story. I said, just blurted out one day, I have no idea where it came from. I'm going to do a TED Talk. And as soon as the words escaped my mouth, I thought I was going to throw up. Because standing on stage in front of people was not my wheelhouse. But what I realized was the message that I had to share was bigger than my fear. And so once again, I start the hacking possibility process. And it's interesting because many times when we, uh, when we have a vision or a quest or a goal, we'll immediately go, like I said, into logical mind and, and look at all the reasons we can't do it or we shouldn't do it or we're not wired to do it or we're not appropriate or somebody else is better or whatever. And that was true for me too. Uh, I said to myself, as soon as I heard those words escape my lips, uh, I'm terrified of public speaking. I can't speak. I'm, I'm afraid of public speaking. And so I sat with that for a long time. And then I realized, okay, we're, we're in it. We're sitting in it. <laughs> and like, we've had some time to process this. Now, what are you going to do? And what I realized is that conveniently, being afraid of public speaking is intangible. And that's convenient because then you can dismiss it without being wrong or without having to like, you know, lose face or give up on your dreams or whatever, because you're, you can't do it. You're afraid to do it. And your unconscious mind is meant to protect you. That's right. So I was aware that even though I, I really like the fear was real, but it was also conveniently intangible. So I thought to myself, okay, well, how do I make the, I'm afraid of public speaking intangible statement? How do I break that down, just like firefighting, into pillars of something that's actionable, like a task or a habit? And so I had to look at some really uncomfortable, vulnerable, emotional stuff. And what I realized is the fear of public speaking, and this is probably true for everybody, breaks down into two categories that I call roots and wings. So your roots is your practical, tactical, logical stuff. And for me, that looked like well, I have no experience as a speaker. I've never written a TED Talk. I don't know anything about the structure of it. I have no experience with performance and physicality and voice. So that's my that's my wing, uh, my roots part, my practical tactical part. And on the wing side, which is your creative, emotional sort of side, I realized what I'm actually afraid of is what if I'm not good enough? What if I get rejected? Uh what if I freeze up? What if my message is lame? What if they don't like me? And so that also is actionable. So I went to see somebody. I went to talk to a therapist. I'm like, okay, listen, here's what I'm dealing with. Like, this is what I'm aiming to do. And this part here, I can't get past this part. So we worked through it. And it literally was turning something that is intangible, conveniently so, into something that is actionable. Because when you say, okay, I don't feel good enough, I don't feel worthy, what if they don't like me, you know, all of that kind of stuff, 
you can do something about that. And subsequently on the other side, well, I have never, I don't have a ton of experience speaking and uh, I don't know anything about structuring a TED talk specifically. It's like, okay, well, let's hire a coach. Let's figure it out. Like, let's learn it. And so I did. And the ironic part is I love speaking now. Well, you're so good at it. Like, I just love it. Like, I love it, love it, love it. And I find that my style is a little more tongue-in-cheek, conversational, down-to-earth. And the ironic part is that that actually ended up resonating in a more powerful way than than some people that are super polished or or over-rehearsed because I'm I'm literally present in the moment. That's right. And so it's that same process every time. And the, the interesting thing is, you know, going back to the whole dream catcher and talking stick uh, symbolism is all of life is about story. And so whether or not, you know, you're somebody who wants to create a business or get your message out there, you know, that's your external story. Like, what am I going to output with my story? And that part is actually really easy to do once you manage your internal story. And so from the time we're little kids, we have something called a precognitive commitment of when we experience things, what we make it mean. And what we make it mean when we're kids, we carry that throughout our whole life and that either drives our behavior forward so we accomplish amazing things and our parents train us to be like hyper-confident or it can also keep us stuck. But the beauty about that portion of your story is once you're aware of it, you can use it to your advantage and you can mold it, meld it and change it and create a new Yeah, meaning. that's really important to know because we have this plasticity in our brain. People forget that. You know, we feel like we're hardwired. But actually, they've done those studies, and you can change that. And I think that's such an incredible thing. It makes me feel like people are like superhuman because there isn't like a like sometimes people will say, "Well, I'm a Gemini, I'm a Libra. This is my nature, or this is what I grew up like, or that's how my dad was, so that's how I am." Whatever your story is, you can change it. Mm-hmm. And I would also be cautious of any statement that starts with "I'm a right" exactly. because that's a label. That is that's, a label. That's what maybe what you are or what you enjoy or what you like, but it's not who you are because you are Kathy and you can be whatever Kathy decides Kathy wants to be. Yep. That's correct. So I want to talk about, you know, it's one thing people are listening and they're like, wow, you know, there's no way not to be wowed by the story. It's, it's an important story. And yet people are, you know, because we, we're so used to hearing our own self-doubt and because we're so used to swimming in sort of a sea of negativity, it's easy to think, well, maybe that worked for her, but there's just no way I could ever have done that. I can't ever, you know, do something where I have to pull half, you know, twice my body weight. Like, how could she have done that for over a thousand days? So let's talk about what got you through that? How can you teach that to somebody else other than telling them that, look, I did it and it's possible. That's a great place to start. But how do we break that down? How do we help somebody just start to take the first step in, okay, well, here's what might help you on that road if you don't necessarily have experience doing this kind yeah, of Yeah, for sure. You know. Well, I mean, I guess the first thing is tuning out what everybody says about what you should do and really getting quiet in those moments and paying attention to like, what do you, what do you love? Because what happens inevitably is people think about their passion. And I heard Elizabeth Gilbert say this yeah, in a talk and it was so brilliant. So I'll share it. She talked about how some people know what their passion is 
And that's very confronting to those who don't. Mm -hmm. So for those who are, are not sure what their passion is or what they want to end up doing, it can be upsetting because you're looking at these people who have crystal clear clarity about what their thing is. But if instead of worrying about the the magnitude of, I have to find my passion, I have to find my passion, just take the gas off that for a second. And instead of focusing, what is my passion? Instead, focus on what am I curious about? And and what am I curious about without judgment? So do yeah. I, you know, do I like um, painting letters? Like there are people making a million dollars doing lettering. I know. Because they're genius. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what it is. And if you're still struggling with what are you curious about? In front of that comes, how do I want to feel? Mm. So, it, so it goes from passion to curiosity and from curiosity to feelings. And your feelings are the barometer for which way you should go. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It's like, which thing makes you feel that alive? Yeah. Yeah. So even if you don't know what your thing is, start following your bliss and not with logic. Like follow your bliss with, man, this feels good. I want to do more of this without an outcome, without attachment. Mm -hmm. Because inevitably, when you follow how you want to feel and when you're true to what feels good, it will lead you to your curiosity. Yeah. And when you get clear on what your curiosity is and you start exploring that without going, oh, well, what am I ever going to do with that? Like shelf that stuff. Inevitably, when you get entrenched and marinate in that curiosity, that will lead you to your passion. Yep. So that's the first thing I would say. The steps in accomplishing anything is just stuff. The first step is what is the thing you want to accomplish and what does it feel like in your soul? Like what is the thing right. that, you know, when you wake up in the morning? Because that's what's going to drive you through, you're saying, is that feeling. Yeah. And so that's got to be there. And then you're saying Absolutely. you can figure out the how because the how is just stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, to what I was saying earlier, like society is entrenched with logic and data. And we're, we're all saturated in that. And we're trained to think in terms of logic. But if you think about it, nothing that, that was a great innovation, no great inventions, no great paradigm shifts in society and culture or, or even in, in people has ever, ever occurred as a result of being logical. Mm -hmm. you, there, like there is That's a place true. for logic, but do not lead with logic. Lead with possibility. Use the logic as a, as a way to roll out the tasks and habits once you are in alignment and once you're clear on where you're going and what you feel like doing. And yeah. it's okay if that changes, by the way. So that's the first thing is to just start allowing yourself to reconnect with your emotions mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. how you want to feel. Yeah, I agree and, with that. And pursue that unabashedly mm -hmm. and unapologetically. Once you do, usually the next thing that people encounter is this massive amount of self-doubt, fear, and Oh, overwhelm. yeah. Big time, big time, big time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I have many gifts. What is not my gift is organization. Yeah, so, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and that's true for a lot of creative people. So what would happen is as that 108-pound, nerdy, geeky, frightened, anxious girl, I would look at this massive laundry list of stuff that I needed to do. And the list was mind-bogglingly exhaustive in terms of my journey from 108-pound artist to firefighter. And so when I looked at the list, I, I th think of it as an unzipped file. When you look at that unzipped file, you're like, holy crap, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of and megabytes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so what will happen is that will stop you from moving. Mm -hmm. But if instead, if you zip that down to the main pillars of knowledge or experience mm. and look at them only one by one, 
then you can break each of those pillars down. Just keep rolling backwards and backwards and backwards until you find the starting point. And the starting point will always look like a task or a habit. And if it still feels overwhelming, all that means is that you didn't roll it back quite far enough. Mm -hmm. You've got a few more steps to roll it back before you get to the starting point. Because the starting point should feel like, huh, I can do that. Yeah. And so if I were to use that physical test as an example, you know, I needed to be able to do the job, which meant, you know, carrying 136 pounds up 10 flights of stairs for time and so on and so on and so Crazy. on. But if you roll that back, it's like, okay, well, I'm, uh, I'm 108 pounds. That is not going to work. I'm going to need to have to put on some weight and gain some muscle and increase my stamina. So really, it, it rolls back to me building out that physical and thinking, okay, now my only job right now is where am I going to find 140 pounds? Yeah. And so when it becomes less overwhelming, then it becomes doable. You can just keep moving one foot in front of the other. But the key too is don't pay attention to where you are because that is 100% irrelevant. Oh, good. Look, always, good. always and only at your end goal mm -hmm. and always and only feel what that's going to feel like because that's the juice. That's the gas in the engine is yeah. how does that feel? Yeah. How does it feel when you get that phone call? Mm -hmm. That's the only thing you're focusing on right now is what's that phone call going to feel like? Yep. Okay. One more step. What is that phone call going to feel like? Okay. Just one more stare. Yeah. And when you break it down to like, like that, you use the triple O. What's the order of operations? Okay. I need to learn how to, you know, drive a truck, first aid, CPR, yeah. rescue techniques, and so on and so on. But it's like, okay, these are all of the things I need to do. But what do I need to do first? And just do that one thing. Yeah, I think that you're right, that that feeling is what ultimately gives you the fuel to say, well, I want that call. I want to be able to be waking up and doing this. How's it, how's it going to change my life if I got to be doing this every day? How would that change the way I felt about myself? How would that change my relationships? Is that what I want? And then if you ask yourself the opposite, what if I don't do this? How will I feel? How will my relationships be in five years and 10 years if I don't take responsibility for my own happiness and do any of this? And also, if I can add to that, what is the ripple effect from the lives that I would touch that I now don't get to touch oh, as yes. a result of doing that thing? So true. You know, for me, I used to get so annoyed when people asked me the story because I still am that kind of geeky, introverted person. But something sa somebody said something that changed everything for me in that regard. And they said, thank you so much for sharing your story. I see myself in your story. And, you know, before I heard you talk about this, I didn't think I could do it. And now I'm going to. Yeah, that's so, I mean, it's huge what you're saying. that You could change someone else's life because you had the courage to walk forward. So you've done other things that were very competitive things and things that maybe other people would have said, why bother? And you were successful at those things. One of those things is your podcast. It's called The Yes Effect. And you were recently named in Entrepreneur Magazine alongside other huge podcasters like John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn and Oprah Winfrey as having one of the 45 best podcasts for entrepreneurs to listen to, which is huge, very significant. Huge honor. I'm so grateful yeah, for that. Huge. Thank you. So let's talk about The Yes Effect. Why did you name it that? Well, everything I'm talking about with um, with the whole, you know, don't lead with logic, lead with possibility and really get in alignment with what your goals are, that is what I have now coined the yes effect or creating the yes effect. Because when you can create the yes effect, you are able to hack possibility. So my vision for that 
once I started seeing the interest people had in my story, and once I realized that my story actually had nothing to do with me, it had everything to do with allowing other people to see themselves in my story, then it became my mission to tell it. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I thought, you know what? There are thousands of stories like mine. I don't want to be talking about myself all the time. But the gold is in the lessons and the struggles and how we get through them. So what I do is I bring, you know, amazing people on the show. Many of them are are high-level entrepreneurs. I've had a billionaire, New York Times bestseller. And some of them are regular people. And those stories are equally as powerful. And what I do is... I get them to start telling the story of how they accomplished that amazing thing, starting from the time when they were either on their knees with their face in the dirt or broke or homeless or scared or hadn't come out to their parents or whatever it is. Because what I realized in the telling of my own story is that struggle is the binding agent between human beings. And what I had found was when I was telling my story, people would say, oh, you know, well, you did that. I couldn't do that, though. I'm nothing like you. Mm. But when you reverse that and flip it around and you hear that person tell their story vulnerably, and when they're willing to share those pieces and those parts, when they weren't sure and they didn't know, something truly magical happens. Because that person who five minutes ago thought, I'm nothing like them. I couldn't do that. I don't have those qualities or those attributes. I'm not brave or strong or confident. When you hear where that person started, the absolute opposite happens. Instead of saying, I'm not like that person, you think to yourself, wow, I'm actually exactly like them. And if I'm exactly like them and they can do that, then anything's possible for me too. That's right. That's right. And so that was my entire sort of M.O. behind the um, the creation of the podcast. And also just I kept getting asked similar questions over and over and over again about fear and confidence and all of that kind of stuff. And I wanted an outlet to be able to share my experiences, whether I've experienced them personally or just stories and, and uh, insights that I've gained along the way, being able to speak with these people or just... I feel like they weren't gifted to me by accident. I feel like the fact that the person that became a firefighter who actually started out as an abstract, creative thinking, visionary artist, it's not lost on me that that gift of being the first was given to me because I can't sit on those lessons. That's right. I see things a little bit differently. You know, I think in holograms and I hear in layers of sound and, you know, I like, I love, I'm a storyteller. And so I believe that that gift and that honor was given to me because the universe, if we can call it that, you can call it whatever you like, it doesn't matter, um, knew that this this experience would be shared with other people that need to hear it. Yeah. Whether they want to be a firefighter or start, you know, a, a bakery, it doesn't matter what, what your jam is, yeah. but whatever your jam is, just know that there's a way to hack it and it absolutely is possible. Yeah. You know, when I would speak that dream as a 20-year-old misfit, I would tell my girlfriends, hey, guys, you know, I'm going to be a firefighter. And they're all discovering beer and boys. So whenever <laughs> whenever I would say what I wanted to do around them, it always seemed inconceivable and inachievable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when you switch the group of people that you spend your time with, it really does change the paradigm of what becomes possible. Because, you know, using that as an example, 
I would say to the the new group of people I had that were all also pursuing becoming firefighters, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm going to work some overtime so I want to take an auto extrication course. They're like, "Oh yeah, that's amazing. Oh, and don't forget there's a high angle rescue course as well." And so, you know, in that environment, my quest and my dream seemed absolutely commonplace and normal. And so that's what I would encourage people to do as well. You know, if you have a big quest or even not a big quest, if you just have something that's driving you, seek people who are like you because it will make the journey easier and a lot less lonely. That's beautiful. So much good stuff, Shelley. So much good stuff. It's so powerful, everything you've been saying. I I just, I need to find another word besides powerful. Do you have any? (laughs) I think it's not powerful. I would like to just make it commonplace. I would like for all of these concepts to be a shoulder shrug for people. because I love that you said that. Yeah. Like sometimes we'll get uh, groups of kids that come into the fire hall. And even now, like 25, it's 2018, man. The teachers will look at me like I have three heads and point to the little girls and say, see, you can do that too. And I say, stop doing that. They're smart people. Right. You know, I would rather they they look at me and the teacher says, hey, do you want to be a firefighter when you grow up to like little Sally? And she shrugs her shoulders and says, "Eh, I don't know. I haven't decided yet and have it not be a thing. You're right. I have three little girls, so I get that. Yeah. So in summing up, what advice, what encouragement do you want to leave with those listening right now? I would say, first of all, that the answer lies in the question. If you're asking a question of the universe or if you're trying to decide what it is you want to do, stop looking outside for other people's input, for their validation, because the answers are inside you, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, the reason I called my my podcast The Yes Effect is is exactly because you want to create that yes effect. The word yes is not just a word. It's It has energy. It has life. It has breath. And the second you say yes and decide to do something, the universe will conspire to help you make it happen. Does that mean, you know, if you're going to be climbing stairs with 136 pounds on your back, you're not going to get lactic acid in your legs and hate your life the next day? No. (laughs) But the path will become crystal clear. Easy? Not necessarily. Not necessarily hard either, but it'll be clear. And the third thing is align with people who believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And if you can't find them, stop asking people for their opinion yeah. because sometimes your dreams are only meant for you. Other people don't have them because they're not meant to see them. They'll see them once you're done. It will be one of those 2020 hindsight moments when when you've accomplished that thing you want to accomplish, whether it be big or small or unusual or commonplace, whatever that is for you, once you do it, you're able to show people what the vision looked like in the beginning, because they may not be able to come on this journey with you and they may not be able to track with you as you're on it, but just tap into what you know for sure to be true in yourself and don't listen to anybody else because they're speaking through the filter of their own fear. Mm-hmm. That, that makes so much sense. I love it. So inspiring. Such a, like a real world example of somebody who you know, found that David within themselves and fought that Goliath like it ain't nobody's business. Um, it's so inspiring. Thank you. Well, the thing is, the principles, too, are universal. I mean, I, I gave my firefighting examples, but my story actually has nothing to do with firefighting. It has everything to do with possibility. So that framework, you can take 
up off my story and plunk it onto somebody else's story. And it's just as applicable. That's really cool. I'm glad that you said that. Well, you are um, a spitfire. You're incredibly, <laughs> I mean, you're Thank you. uh, five feet, two inches full of, you're like a superhero. So tell us where can people find you? People can find me anywhere they listen to podcasts. Uh, it's called The Yes Effect. Or they can find me anywhere online at ShellyVarela.com. Um, so I, all my social handles are Shelly Varela, and that's spelled S-H-E-L-L-I. V is Victor, A-R-E-L-A. Amazing, Shelly. Thank you for being you. Thank you for all the love and the kindness and how much you care about other human beings and how much you've done about it. You don't just talk about it. You do a lot about it. And uh, you're making the world better every second. Well, I appreciate you, and I really appreciate you spending the time and having me on. It's a great honor to be here with well, you. Well, it's pretty great to have you here. It was really worth the time and really fun to listen to you talk. So uh, thanks for being here, and uh, we'll catch you on the Yes Effect. Sounds great. So great to have Shelly here. Okay, here are some of the takeaways. Number one, everything, everything, everything is possible. Love that. Number two, figure out the order of operations. What do you have to do, and what do you have to do first? Number three, in many instances, adversity is a gift if you allow it. Number four, you can't catch a dream unless you chase it first. Number five, you have the power to change your story. Number six, instead of asking what is my passion, ask yourself what am I curious about without judgment and how do I want to feel? Number seven, don't pay attention to where you are. Only look at the end goal. Number eight, if there's something that drives you, seek people like you. It makes the journey easier and a lot less lonely. Number nine, stop asking others for validation. The answers are inside you. Number 10, the moment you say yes, the universe conspires to help you. If you guys like this episode, if you felt this was inspiring, if you, if you have someone in mind who you think this would inspire too, send them this episode, share this with them, you know, put this on Facebook, share this on Instagram. It really helps us put the word out there. Let people know that you feel like there's some good stuff going on in this podcast. We'd really appreciate that. If you have not left us an iTunes review, I would be so grateful for it. I um, go on there from time to time and I see the really generous things that you guys have posted and it just means so much to me. It lets me know that you're listening. It lets me know that you appreciate it. And if you want to chat with me directly, the best way to do that is on Instagram. You can follow me at kathy.hello. C-A-T-H-Y dot H-E-L-L-E-R. And you can DM me and I get back to everybody. I read everybody's messages. Um, I, I take pride in doing so. So you can follow me on Instagram and you can private message me and I'll be happy to respond. Also, every week I do hop on Facebook and do a Facebook Live, sometimes in the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group and sometimes on the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook page. I'll be there on the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook page this coming Wednesday. 11.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's on Wednesday the 7th. And I look forward to chatting with you. I'll be there to support you and answer any questions I can or just be there as a sounding board for your ideas. So proud of you guys. Keep going. You have so much incredible stuff to share with the world. And the world really needs as much beauty and as much light that each of us has inside to give. So let's not hold it back because it's it's win-win. We'll enjoy, you know, getting out of our comfort zone and stretching and that feeling of growth. That feeling of growth is like oxygen and the world will be better for it. So I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street and producer Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. When you're lost and feeling small, when you're far from home, when the